0: Yeah, that's okay. what your mom says about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just as we just as we started <laughs> recording, a mom reference. Okay, so we are um, holding here. It's a Purim joke that it wouldn't open up. So we are holding here by this uh, this particular mimer that is related to a uh, Purim from Ruputner. Uh As we said, actually refers to as an Indian rather than a mimer, and what he's been developing over here is. Won't go back uh, to all of the questions that he started off with, which we're going to work our way closer to today. But he has developed this idea of uh, of leitzanus. leitzanus. uh he explained, is the desire to belittle something to the point where it loses all of its hashivas, it loses all of its importance. And as he mentioned from, uh, from Chazal, that um, a, a person... Based on uh, Rabbi Yona's idea that a person can be defined based on what they praise, what you praise, what you find redeeming, and what you find to be positive about others. So that is a mirror, that's a reflection of uh, of uh, what's important to you, what's uh, what's valuable to you. So leitzonus is the exact opposite of that. That's the approach where you don't want to find anything to be chash whatsoever. Nothing should be important, nothing should be prominent. And therefore, they will go ahead, and they will belittle everything which exists. Because once you go ahead and you belittle uh, whatever the idea is, whoever the person is, whatever the concept is, so then that undermines it. It cuts it out from its source, source, and then the whole thing goes uh, comes collapsing down. So that is what a, a less. That is what they're going to do, and that's why in Mishlei we're told that the uh, that the the, the basically the only solution for the lets is to go ahead and just smack them across the face. Because, uh, you know, trying to emphasize the importance of something is, not, is going to fall on deaf ears because they will use their power of late suddenness to belittle whatever it is that you're trying to lift up and make more important. And they're just going to dismiss it with a wave of a hand or whatever they, the way that they undermine it is. Okay. So now, says footnote. so we uh, uh, this paragraph, which we'll highlight now, if we were to go ahead and explore the question, sorry, we don't see anything on your screen. Oh, I forgot you. to You're share. not serious, screen. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're seeing you. No, that's good. Well, I'm good too. Not not anything, but you know, it's not what we thought we'd be saying. No, okay. Nothing important. You know. Oh, much better. <laughs> um, I'm a less towards myself. <laughs> <laughs> if we were to go ahead and present us with the, the question. So this is the ultimate battle royale when you have that which is most important being pitted against that which is least important. So what happens when these two things, importance, is going to be opposite on one side of the scale and on the opposite side of the scale is going to be sheker, is going to be falsehood. Believe suffic without any doubt, when Futner says, Hatshuva tehe avodas alilim. So this is going to be defined by idolatry. What do you mean by idolatry? Because on the one hand, the entity or the being or the concept that you are willing to serve. That you commit to serve, that shows the ultimate bittle, that shows the ultimate submission to that authority. It's not just that you value it, but you're actually willing to submit yourself and you're willing to follow orders. So once you're willing to follow orders, so that is the ultimate submission. But somebody who's ovate avorizara, somebody who worships idolatry. So on the one hand, they have the redeeming factor that they consider something to be so hush of, so important that they're willing to submit, but on the other hand, the ain Lacha Sheker Yoser mina Mina'alim. But there's no greater falsehood than an idol. So you have these two things, which are the most hush of things and the most lowly of things. And now they're merging together. That is what worshiping Avodah Zarah involves the submission to some higher authority, which isn't the higher authority at all. It is the lowest of authorities, has no authority whatsoever, because Avodah Zarah ultimately has no power. And that's what happens. That's the reason Raphonno goes on to explain, which we won't we w- won't read inside, but that's why Chazal says specifically that all late sunness is bad, that mockery or belittling things is generally a bad trait, except when you go ahead and you're going to belittle Avodizara because belittling aodizara so this is something which is uh requires. Uh, elevating something to be have important status that should only be built on something which is true. <clears throat> something which has a foundation of MS, uh, uh, exalting something, lifting something up, which is built on a foundation of Sheker. So that is the ultimate mockery of uh, of things, is that's a mockery of truth. It's a mockery of everything which is important. And therefore Chazal say, although it's certainly true that one is allowed to belittle, Anything which is raw, anything which is bad. But if you want to get the ultimate belittling of something which is bad, that is going to be avodizara, because avodizara means that you've elevated something to the highest level. But what you've elevated is the biggest sheker in the world. So elevating something which is the biggest sheker, so that is the biggest joke which exists, is that you got your your values completely uh, completely uh, off. And then he goes on to say that that as a general matter, we'll pick it up from here, he says, So what we have explained so far in this piece is, that the whole nature of leitzanus, the whole nature of scoffing, is the destruction, that's what harisus means, it's the destruction of the, uh, 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 the perception of something being chashev, of importance of something it's it's undermining something's importance <inaudible> and the truth is is that any time you see the appearance of leitzanus, of belittling belittling or scoffing or undermining so that's always going to that's always going to be the nature of what's being done aukishi <inaudible> ba even when it's coming for a good purpose, because you're going to try and belittle or undermine something which is bad, nonetheless, the, the process of leitzanus is always going to be to undermine or to belittle. The makom pa'ulas <laughs> ha-leitzanus because that is the point of the let, That that's the goal of the let, is always to point out a flaw, to point out a weakness, to point out a reason why you should not submit, you should not feel... Uh, submissive to that particular idea, entity, person, concept, whatever it's going to be. That's always the way light like Sunist works, is it's looking to find that flaw. That's what it's coming to. There, there's a bug in the system somewhere that was happening to my computer before. And the goal was to go ahead and find what exactly that bug is, and to, uh, and to, uh, to, uh, to get rid of it. However, he says, Ellen, this is just typical of Putner style thinking, El Shemikol but nonetheless, del yesh There's a huge difference at the root level at what we're, the goal is. Ben stam There's a huge difference between somebody who's a less, meaning that they undermine everything which is chashav, and they under and they belittle everything which is which is important just because they don't want to have anything important, and they refuse to recognize the chashivas of anything which exists, and the let's, leitzanus, which is coming from a good place, coming from a good place in the sense that it's pointing out when something is shaker. So that's leitzanus, which comes from a, from a good place. We don't want people to follow Avodah Zarah, and therefore if we could make fun of Avodah Zarah, in order to show people how false it is and how silly it is and how it makes no sense then we're using the tool of leitzanus. we're using the tool of belittling in undermining in showing flaws and weaknesses but ultimately for a good purpose so that people should shift away from avodorzar the hamtsas has zilzo because when you have just a run of the mill less run of the mill comedian whose job it is, is to get up there and just make fun of everything. So that person, what's the goal of such a person who just seeks to undermine everything? <laughs> so what that person uh, opposes is the existence of anything which is khashiv. They cannot tolerate anything being important anything being higher than myself, anything being bigger than myself, greater than myself, they just oppose any idea of hashivas whatsoever. So anytime somebody says, this is important, this is good, and that's great, and whatever a person is going to say positive, the let's, a pure let's, is going to find the weakness in everything, exploit it, and say, eh, this is not important, and this is not good, and that's bad, and no matter what you say, they always find fault in everything. That's the ultimate let's, is to find fault in everything. And such a person, their goal in their perspective of everything is to zero in on, to focus on, and to identify the weakness of everything which exists. Once I find that weakness, once I find that flaw, I no longer have to be submissive to that. I no longer have to consider that to be important. And it doesn't impact my life because it's lesser than me. That's what a regular let's would be doing. But when you have somebody who comes along and their goal is to make fun of, to belittle, to undermine Avotah their opposition is idol worship. So like we said before, the goal over here isn't to undermine, the ultimate goal isn't to belittle the fact that I'm using that, the late sunus I'm making fun of Avodah zara, that's a tool which I'm using for a higher purpose, but that's not the goal. A regular let just wants to make fun. Somebody makes fun of Avodah zara, so the making fun is a tool towards a bigger picture, a bigger uh, goal. Being that I recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the creator of the universe, and I see God as the supreme being to whom everybody should be submissive towards and everybody should be worshiping. And if I see another entity, another idea, another concept, another person getting in the way of that, trying to supplant God and say, I am the supreme being, I am the Messiah. Then along those lines, Harehu mezal zabara. So ultimately when a person uses leitzanus in that case, what they're doing is they're trying to undermine that which is bad. So it's not that I don't believe in Hashivas. It's not that I don't value something being important and something being a concept which is above me and worthy of submission. It's because I do believe in submission that I'm so opposed to avodah because that's getting in the way of people doing the correct thing. So in that case, it's not that my goal is to undermine or to belittle. My goal is to elevate, but this is getting in the way and I have to... Uh, uh, um, Show people the way so that they're not going to be distracted anymore. And now he turns again, as a as footner could do in his poetic way. He says, If you want to capture in a pithy phrase uh, what exactly uh, is involved in making fun of a Zarah, it is, and I wish I could highlight all this at the same time, but he says, it's. Chilul in Hilo. so it's the it's the ability, it's the strength, the focus to go ahead and try and undermine something. In an attempt to be, elevate something else, so I'm being mechala, I'm defaming the avodah zara for the purpose of elevating God. So it's chilul for the sake of hilo. That's really what uh, what the leitzanis is going to be about. And then he says further, skipping a little, a couple lines, the leitzanis stam. Because when we talk about regular, run-of-the-mill late sanos, l'shem ribo has You're just making fun because we enjoy making fun. We're just trying to make fun of things because why, why, why shouldn't we go ahead and do so? And we're trying to increase um, mockery. We're trying to increase weakness in the world. Or I'm trying to shed away or trying to push off from me any sort of authority whatsoever. It's anti-authority. So that's what regular late leitzanus is. But when a person makes fun of a vodazara, he hamza zilzol, so he's using the power of belittling and undermining and making fun, but for the purpose of because I'm trying to increase a true, and emistic perception of what is true in this, this world. And he says, uh, Okay, so that is so, so that is his 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 idea of Leitzanus, and Leitzanus is uh, opposed to Avodazara. And we'll just grab one more line from this paragraph, and then we'll begin to, to bring it back down to back around to Purim. So he says the Koach, the power of Leitzanis, So on the uh, uh, on the spectrum of things, so you have two things which are on almost opposite ends of the spectrum. And that is, you have rebuke on the one hand and the ability to accept rebuke versus leitzanus. So what is rebuke all about? So he says, and this is part of what we're not reading inside, but he says the purpose of rebuke is to reorient a person and to make sure that their values are going to be aligned with, let's just say for simplicity, the Torah. So a person is behaving in a way which is inconsistent with the Torah. So we're going to use the power of tochacha, generally translated as rebuke, but we're going to use the power of tochacha in order to realign a person with what they know to be chashev. So tochacha, by its very definition, is rooted in the idea that if a person would just know the truth, then they'll change their behavior, they'll realign their behavior to match with that truth. That's what tochacha is designed to do. And aletz does the exact opposite let's refuses to recognize anything which is chashuv, refuses to acknowledge an authority which is over themselves, and therefore they're going to undermine or belittle all of that in order to push away that authority above themselves so that they are at the top of the t- totem pole. They're essentially wor- worshipping themselves, or the ultimate narcissist, that they're worshipping themselves. And they push away any sort of authority or anything that they need to be submissive towards. So tochacha, by its definition, recognizes authority. Leitzanas, on the other end, refuses to recognize authority. And that's why the Pasuket Mishle says that leitzanas, a let's, a scoffer, and tohacha cannot coexist. Because one is recognizing importance and the other one refuses to recognize importance. So these two can't get along, they can't coexist at the same time. As he says, the whole tochacha, because at the root of every type of rebuke, in Yana, the idea is, is recognizing that something is crooked, something is wrong, something needs fixing, because there's something greater which could exist over here. And that only happens in the event that a person is willing to recognize importance, a person is willing to submit to some greater authority. So if, they have the, if they're receptive to that, then they could... They could uh, uh, tap in to the rebuke. They could be receptive to the rebuke, and that will cause them to change their behavior. Somebody who's a let's, somebody who uh, undermines or doesn't believe in the importance of things, so they are going to be fully rejecting of uh, any uh, anything of that sort, and that's why it will inevitably fall on deaf ears. Okay, so this is now the general idea with regards to um, being a let's, uh, uh, Late and uh, yeah, okay. Now he says, now we could swing this back around specifically to Amalek. And here also, Rechutner does what, in my opinion, is a, a, an incredibly masterful job of bringing these ideas together and uh, ultimately leading to a deeper understanding of the uh, the Purim story. So he now says, going back a couple of Parshas now, he says, I am Lishonosh the Parsha Zachar Asher Karcha. So if you look at, we have the Mechamas Amalek in Parshas B'Shalach, but you all know that we also read some of it on, uh, on, in Parshas Zachor, from Parshas Kitzese. And the, the Pasuk in the Torah says that Amalek attacked us, asher karcha baderach when we happened to be on the way. So what is that? The word karcha is an unusual word. And the Rishonim, uh, the Mefarshim, disagree about what exactly the meaning of that term is. But Rashi says kur, that what it means is that it's to cool something down. Karli, if a person uses that term in modern Hebrew, Karli means I'm cold. I'm not, but some other people may be cold. So they say Karli. If a person uses that term, say mean I'm cold. V'chom Okay, that's a possum. Meaning, what does it mean when we say that a cooled down Klal Yisrael? So Rashi explains shahayu kol umas yireim li bachem that when Kali Yisrael walked out of Egypt and they experienced Kriyas Yamsuf, so all the nations, he's going to quote, as we're going to uh, quote from, uh, from our yashir all the nations got the news reports of what happened. They were all fully aware of what happened in Mitzrayim and how God defended the Jewish people, took them out of the mighty empire of, uh, of Egypt, it essentially demolished the Egyptian empire they walked through a sea which dried up miraculously so they could they escape the Egyptians and then came crashing down on the Egyptians and killing them. So as people would mention, just the very name of the Jewish people, it sent a shiver down everybody's spine. u the u and then what does Amalek do? The Amalek waged a battle against the Jewish people. The makum And although Amalek lost, But as long as they saw that it's possible to do battle with the Jewish people, that already lowered the esteem that other nations had for the Jewish people. So before Amalek waged war against the Jewish people, everybody was afraid to even think about fighting against the Jewish people. It didn't register on their radar screen at all. No way, no how. There's no way I'm going to attack the Jewish people. They've got God defending them. They had 10 plagues, they had Kriyas Yamsuk, they had all that stuff. We are not doing that. that, that. That's a sure way to destroy our country. Comes Amalek, does battle with the Jewish people, loses terribly. But now at least people see you could fight a battle against the Jewish people. Amalek lost because of whatever reason. So you have all these military analysts who get on CNN and Fox News and giving explanations as to why Amalek lost. And had they just fought the battle this way or that way or another way or whatever is going to be, they certainly could have been victorious. And now people of the nations of the world are actually entertaining the possibility that they could defeat the Jewish people. So even though Amalek lost the battle, they won the war because the Jews lost their esteem in the eyes of the world. And Rashi equates it very famously, So this is similar to a bath of boiling water, hot water. It was so hot, nobody was willing to get into the hot bath because you'll get burnt. The water is so hot that inevitably you're going to burn yourself if you were to go into that, into that bath. What happens? So some yotzl head goes ahead and approaches the bath. And he jumps into the water. Now, what happens when you jump into boiling hot water? Even though the fellow was burned, he came out with second degree burns, third degree burns, whatever it was from the boiling water. Hikra But nonetheless, in the eyes of others, they say, well, that guy was a yutz because he did it without preparing himself. If you wear the right suit, you do the right breathing practices, you do the right meditation, you do whatever is going to be, but you could actually, it's possible to do it because this guy did it, but he was a fool the way he did it. But if you only do it this way, then you could go into the boiling water and you'll be fine. So Malik did the same thing. The chayisot was this boiling bath they were on fire, in a sense, that nobody wanted to, uh, to mess with them. Nobody wanted to start up with them. And even though Amalek lost terribly, nonetheless, now people said it's something which is possible. It's difficult, but it's something which is possible. Kolomar, in other words, that's the end of Rashi. So that's why it's Karcha Baderach, that Amalek cooled us down in the sense that everybody was afraid of us. And after Amalek did battle with us, they weren't as afraid. So Kolomar, in other words, ain't so fin Yadoshel Shabav Shabbat bin Yisrael, that The bad thing which Amalek did by attacking us wasn't the fact that they waged battle against us. Because there weren't really any, if, if I remember correctly, there weren't even any Jewish casualties. It was just a pain in the behind. You have to spend a day or so fighting against Amalek. But it really wasn't such a, such a major uh, deal. And we certainly didn't suffer major losses as a result of that. So the damage which Amalek did by fighting against us, was not the battle itself. But the real damage which Amalek inflicted was, the real damage which they did was they undermined the prominence which the Jewish people had, the reputation that the Jewish people had in the world. They had a reputation of being uh, insurmountable, of being um, uh, impossible to go ahead and defeat. And now people are actually entertaining the possibility that they could su- successfully beat the Jewish people in a war. And that was the real damage which Amalek did, uh, rather than the fact that they actually tried to uh, to beat us militarily. Because as we said, this is what the phrase that we take from Az Yashir, that the Princes of Edom, and the mighty people of Moab, the Yosvei Canaan, as well as the residents of Canaan. So we're talking about all the people around the world who got news reports. So all of them were fully aware of the rebuke which resonated from Yitzias Mitzrayim, from the event of Yitzias Mitzrayim, and from the splitting of the sea. And everybody who heard about that was petrified of the Jewish people. They, they're impossible to do battle with because God fights their battles for them. And if you want blood and you want frogs and you want wild animals and you want darkness and you want fiery hail, so then start up with the Jewish people. But who's foolish enough to go ahead and do that? So nobody was willing to go ahead and start up with the Jewish people. In other words, So the bath. The, the, uh, the, the metaphor which he uses is that the bath, meaning the reputation of the Jewish people, it was on fire. We were burning hot. And that's the way everybody stated when something's burning hot, not only do you often not jump inside, you don't even get too close. You give yourself some extra distance because just the heat itself is something which could then, could radiate outwards and you could get hurt just by the, uh, the heat itself, even without actually touching it. No, the chashivas ba'olam. In other words, as a result of Yitzias Su and Kriyas Yamsuf, there now existed importance in the world. Everybody said, oh, the Jewish people. And it just, it, it instilled awe. Just the mention of the Jewish people itself made people scared to, to even think about anything bad about the Jewish people, because who knows what kind of vengeful God and how, how God will respond if we were to say something bad. So everybody stepped back and would just let them, was going to let them, jewish people just march straight to canaan you go where you want you do what you want you you're the boss over here and we're not going to get in the way aval amalek but the nature of a amalek is they cannot bear they cannot tolerate anything which is important whatsoever there is no such thing as importance in this world. And they, they, it's something which they're sort of like allergic to. They cannot stand the notion that there be sh- there should exist something which is important, something which is greater than themselves. They cannot tolerate that at all. And as soon as they heard about them, Oh, all of a sudden, all the nations are saying, we're going to sit, whatever the Jewish people ask for us, we're going to do, we're not getting in their way, we're not going to mess with them at all. As soon as Malik hears how all of the other nations are submissive to the Jewish people, they say, whoa, what's going on over here? Mahuso, and they couldn't tolerate that at all. And Mahuso shall Yisrael, he ko'chehilo. So now we have this dramatic contrast once again, that the the Refutner is presenting in his poetic style, he says we have this dramatic contrast between the Jewish people and Amalek. The nature of the Jewish people is hill, is praise of God, is a recognition of something which is important, something which is an authority greater than ourselves, that is the nature and the character of the Jewish people to elevate things above ourselves. We're looking for that authority to exist above us. But on the other hand, Mahusa shall a who The nature of a Malik is the exact opposite. The nature of a Malik is to belittle, to undermine, to refuse to recognize the authority, the hashivas, or the importance of anything at all. And what this means is that in terms of the spectrum, so you have the Jewish people on one end of the spectrum recognizing, looking for that which is Hashev, and then you have a Malik on the other end of the spectrum refusing to recognize anything which is Hashev, and when anything Hashev comes along, they will do their best to undermine, belittle, to cool it down, to try and demonstrate to everybody that they're not so good. They're not so important. They're not so insurmountable. This is something which, uh, which could be done with the right strategy and the right r- with the right approach. And therefore, they're going to jump right in, even to their own harm and their own detriment, because they got burned. They suffered hu- terrible casualties during that war against the Jewish people. But it didn't bother them at all. Because they were successful in the sense that they took the level 100 Hashivas, which Klay Yisrael had at that time, and they lowered it to a 95. And if you could take that 100 percent and you could lower it to a 95, so that already says that they're not as important as they think they are. And therefore they were successful with, they were successful with that. Um, and that's what he says, that on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have a Malik you have Amalek on one side, in this corner, Amalek. And then the other corner is the Jewish people. That's one way of doing it. Or another way is not by uh, uh, contrasting them by name, but you could also contrast them by character. Ko'ach the Amalek on the one hand, their persona, their character is to undermine, to, uh, to, uh, to belittle. Whereas the Jewish people, their, their character is to always elevate and to praise, and to, uh, to, to find the importance of things. And therefore, With the birth of the Jewish people, when they came into existence, So together with that came the power of recognition of that which is important. And this is something which was incredibly uh, 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 jarring for Amalek as a nation, because their job and their purpose in this world was to undermine anything which is important, to make fun of everything which is important in this world. And they had been successful at doing so, apparently. And then the Jewish people came along, and everybody is willing to submit to the Jewish people. They're great. They are powerful. All of the positive things which we, people were saying. Hambacha haisa rosachas. And using Rashi, quoting Chazal's metaphor, so the Jewish people were boiling. They were on fire. That's how afraid everybody was of them. And Rishichus Zu, this boiling, this nature of the Jewish people, to be on fire, misnagedes Amalek b'mahusa. So as he said, Amalek is almost literally allergic to that. They cannot tolerate that at all. So the existence of any chashivas in the world is something which they cannot tolerate, and therefore, what happens when something comes into or something presents itself to you which you cannot tolerate at all? Fight, rather than flight, rather than run away. So they decided, we're going to go ahead and we're going to fight and we're going to do battle. Ah, there's no way you're going to win. They're going to they're going to uh, they're going to uh, successfully uh, defeat you, and you're going to suffer a huge amount of casualties and all of that. Amalek says it doesn't matter. We will have been successful because they will go from the ultimate chashivas which they had in the world beforehand, and now we've lowered their stature. So if we've lowered their stature from being at the top of the totem pole to being a little bit lower, so we were successful in our late sun. so We undermine them, we belittle them even a little bit, so we feel better about ourselves. And therefore that was going to be so uh, Amalek, despite losing the military battle, they considered it to be a victory because the rest of the world was no longer as afraid of Klal Yisrael as they were before, and that was the that's the ultimate victory for uh, for uh, uh, for um, Amalek, and he says that um, yeah, and then he says. Uh, bring it back to one of the, uh, the statements of Chazal, which we which he mentioned, uh, which we mentioned last week. He says and therefore the Chazal said on the pasuk vayishma Yisro. So if you remember, he quoted this Chazal at the beginning. The Chazal say that Yisro heard. This is now last week's parsha. So that Yisro heard about Yitzias Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf, What do Chazal say? They quote the pasuk in Mishlei. Let's take. That you strike the scoffer, upesiyarin, but the wise person is going to become wiser as a result. So that means that what 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 Chazal we're contrasting over here is that Yisro heard about Yitzias Mitzrayim and Yitzi uh, uh, and uh, Kriyas Yamsuf, and Amalek heard about uh, Yitzias Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf. So they both are dealing; they're both processing the exact same information. And yet Yisro used it in a positive way to to commit himself to join the Jewish people in the wilderness and to say this now demonstrates beyond a shadow of a doubt doubt, that the Jewish people are God's children, that the world exists because of them. And if we're going to uh, acknowledge that, the best thing that I could do with my life is join the Jewish people. So that's a wise person taking the message personally and saying this is actionable and I'm now going to change my way of living and change what I do uh, because of that. And then on the other end of things, you have a Malik hears about the same exact news, Yetzias Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf, and they say, we can't listen to that. La, 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 I don't want to hear about it. I have to do something which is going to undermine them, which is going to belittle them, which is going to lower their status in this world And even if in the process of doing so I get burned, Amalek says it doesn't matter. It will be successful if I could go ahead and I could lower their status in this world. So that's ultimately what they were trying to do. Because uh, the downfall of Amalek is not going to be helpful for themselves. They lost the battle also. Uh, against the Jewish people, and they even with their the the lost battle against the Jewish people, they still didn't learn a lesson. They weren't any wiser or any better off when they were soundly defeated by the by the Jewish people, Kianaraba. Because the opposite actually occurs. Zehu etzem in yano amalek. There, really, what the what you see because the the nature in the character of Amalek is they were actually entirely consistent throughout the story. Shebetoch of mamish, because through their actions, through their actions of attacking the Jewish people and trying to uh, see how they could lower the status of the Jewish people. This demonstrates in very clear terms, in very clear perspective, their opposition to accepting any rebuke whatsoever. Because remember, we said that rebuke in its very nature is the ability to recognize that there's something which is greater that you're not aligned with, and I need to change my behavior, I need to change my way of thinking in order to realign myself with that authority which is greater than myself. So at its root, tochacha recognizes authority, recognizes status. And tochacha and and uh, a uh, malik is the exact opposite of that. They cannot tolerate, and they refuse to recognize any uh, any authority whatsoever. So therefore, let's talk it. So when the let's gets smacked across the face, ze So no matter what you're going to say to a as a let's as a scoffer or as an underminer as a belittler. As a, uh, as whatever it's going to be. So that always is going to be malik because they refuse to recognize authority. And therefore, they're going to get beat up again and again and again. And smacking the lets, this is part of what the Chazal are teaching. Smacking the lets is not a lesson, it, it's not a tool which we use to correct the lets. The lets is not going to be changed as a result of that smack because. He won't recognize, it. even a smack across the face is not going, He said, like, oh, you think that hurts? Ah, that was nothing, it didn't even bother me at all. What was that, like a mosquito on my face? Come on. So that's what a let's is gonna say when he gets smacked across the uh, across the face. So the purpose of striking the let's is not so that he learns a lesson, it's so that everybody else should learn a lesson. Everybody else should see the folly of his ways, should see the weakness of his ways, and therefore they should stay away from them. But Pesiyarim, But on the other hand, a wise person is somebody who's going to grow wiser from that, Zay Yisro. So that is none other than Yisro. Because Yisro heard the exact same news as Amalek, and they took it to elevate, he took it to elevate himself to become better, rather than rather than not. Kolomar, in other words, we're going to try and finish quickly. Uh, Kolomar. Yisro kibla tochacha shebemapalas Amalek that Yisro was also aware of the downfall of Amalek, and he was receptive to the message that that sends, that Amalek was, is the ultimate left, the ultimate uh, squaffer, trying to undermine that which is Hashev. So they got lowered as a result of that, they got burned as a result of that. But Yisro says, I'm able to see the big picture, and I'm going to take a lesson, which, uh, a message, which is going to elevate me, which is going to allow me to hold in higher esteem the Jewish people, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But Amalek, they themselves cannot accept any, uh, any, whatsoever, any rebuke whatsoever, because th- their very nature is to always make fun. And we're just going to read one more line inside, just because it's amazing. I think it's amazing. He says, "Now, if you if you all remember, so who is the ancestor of a malik? The ancestor of a ultimately is Esau. So, why is it significant that the ultimate uh, that the not the ultimate, but the ancestor, the beginning of this family tree is Esau? So, he Footner explains how Al So, what when does the Torah speak badly about Esau? So, the Torah speaks badly about Esau following the incident." Of the sale of the firstborn rights to Yaakov, whereas we're going to see in a moment, that's when the Torah speaks badly about Esau. and when the Torah does so, a the the Torah doesn't criticize ASA for selling the firstborn rights. The Torah doesn't say, ah, what a fool. He had such a valuable thing in his possession that he could have kept and he could have capitalized on if he would only buy and hold and would have just uh, sat on it for a couple of years and let the compounding interest grow. He would have made a fortune off of being the, uh, the firstborn. So they don't criticize him for the fact that he sold the firstborn rights, but rather what does the Torah say? <speaking in Hebrew> what happened immediately after Esav sells the firstborn rights? He derides those rights. He makes fun of those rights. He undermines those rights. He belittles those rights Says, oh, they're not worth anything, anyways. And everything in which, anytime he would, after he sold those rights, anytime he would talk about them, he would attempt to lower their importance, lower their chashivas, lower their status. So we see that the modus operandi of Esav and his descendants, as manifest in Amalek, is always to make fun. So Esav isn't criticized because he sold the firstborn rights. He's criticized because after selling those firstborn rights, then he started to make fun of it. And that's the way they operate. Kolomar, he's lo mina He began to make fun of the whole concept of being a firstborn. He couldn't tolerate the importance of that anymore. Because once he sold it away, and it was not something which is going to be chashev to him, so as a result of that, he has to be dismissive of it entirely, he has to undermine it entirely, and has to reject it entirely. So we see now within the family line, beginning with Esau himself, all the way through to uh, to Amalek and all their descendants, their nature is always going to be uh, to undermine and to belittle, and they don't recognize, they don't have anything important that they're willing to be submissive to. And as we'll see next week in Ritz Hashem, that's why at the end of days, there's going to be no repair for them. Because the repair, the end of days, is when everybody finally gets their, their, their bearings of what's chashov in line with Hakarish Baruch Hu in the Torah. But a Malik which cannot recognize anything chashov whatsoever, there's no place for them. Because the lack of chashivas, I mean, the lack of ability to recognize chashivas means that even at that time, they still won't be able to see that which is Hashem. So that's a spoiler alert for, uh, for next week, a little bit, and hopefully we'll be able to start on time with a functioning uh, Zoom and we'll finish off this, uh, this piece of Ritz Hashem. All right. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank, Thank you, you all for coming. Shkoyach, appreciate it. Don't forget, Thursday, 8.30, Chicago, uh, uh, Chicago Central Standard Time.